sit back, relax, and get ready to embrace the Work Hard, Smile Large vibe. Hi, welcome back to the Work Hard, Smile Large podcast. I'm your host and founder, Nicole Christofferson, and I have a fellow mother, friend, and advocate from our community, Christina Green, that's going to be sharing what she's doing to help families in our community. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's been fun getting to know each other. We actually met through my sister. Yeah, Lauren. Uh, uh-huh. In soccer, right? Yeah. And my nephew, Piercito, who I love to death. I know I get to see him in a couple weeks. Um, Lucky you. And it just transitioned because I've been going through my own um, experiences within my children's education and and it's been great. And we've overcome a lot of stuff, but talk about like where you're at with your family and kind of what's pulled you into represent other families with IEP advocacy. Yeah, awesome. As a parent, form, current former educator and now advocate, I've kind of come into this role of advocacy after seeing kind of my own kids struggle through education system, but also other families. We only know when we talk about it with each other, right? So we're like, we're like, I'm not the only one struggling. Yeah, yeah. I'm not the only one having this experience. No, not at all. And many families are struggling with this experience, whether, you know, your child may Maybe it's just maybe struggling to access extension activities, right? Like their gifted and talented child or if maybe they're, you know, just their basic education and they're not thriving within the classroom yeah. or, you know, there's some social and emotional pieces maybe that you feel like they're not thriving socially. But there's also, you know, the intricacies of maybe special education or 504 plans that a lot of families struggle to navigate through because of the language. Or the stigma of it makes you feel like really uncomfortable because thinking about an IEP or a 504 plan or, or in that falling under special education it brings on a certain perception that people traditionally were raised on or just thought about it as. Yeah, that's not what it means. Yeah, the it's label. A, yeah, it's a label and it is scary and it's intimidating, I think, for parents. Yeah, and I think that when they don't have access to all the information and understand what some of those words mean. And you don't know till you go through it. Right, exactly. And so, and as you're going through it and you feel like you're, you know, drowning, right? And there's all this stuff coming at you, all this paperwork, this test, here's that test, here's this benchmark, here's this, you know, assessment and this is what it means, right? And we're getting all this information from the people that are the experts or they're in the position to provide you what is required to be provided yeah we put so much trust in the fact that they have our babies for eight hours a day right we entrust them and the system and what's happening in the classroom is being done in the best interest of our child and that they're taking the whole child we're so lucky that as the education system has evolved over the last several decades that there are so many more resources and they have identified what is benefiting children in the classroom with small group pullout and whatever kinds of remedial you know lessons and work that they can do um so i want to definitely shine light on the positive progression that we've had yeah it's just where are we at now and you know where each school is different and each district is different yeah i mean and so as you're speaking to kind of this what they call an rti process right that we're trying to meet the needs of every child whether that's in this academic realm or whether it's in the social emotional realm there's all these different components and so they start out with these tiered instructions so tier one is kind of your general ed supports your scaffolding and your differentiation and then if teachers are identifying that they're struggling in certain areas, then they're going to say, okay, well, we're going to up those supports and we're going to now try some more tier two type interventions where it might be a little bit more intensive. You know, let's say for a child that might be struggling in reading, they might pull in a reading specialist um, to come in um, to the classroom or to work with your child um, during a specific time within the school day, which they might call an instructional 
hour um, small group pull out. Sometimes they call them power hour. Sometimes they call them growing hour. I mean, they have all these different names depending on what school you're at. Most kids, because my daughter gets pulled into small group and she loves it. It definitely helps them. And I think, too, it gives those children, one, a time to shine. Right. And typically the person that's connecting with them is building that relationship that we want all of our children to have with the people that touch them throughout their lives daily. That's where they tend to shine. And those educators we see start making a difference, right? And we start getting meaningful information. Well, then they're able to communicate with the actual classroom teacher and say, this is what I'm seeing because they're able to give you know a little more attention and keep their eyes on the work a little bit more diligently. Yeah. Because teachers have a hard job. I mean, I commend the teachers who are in the classroom right now. They have yeah. to overcome a lot of adversity from what's happened in the last few years. But that doesn't give any reason for them not to know their students and to be collaborating with the other educators that may be in their classroom to understand deeper what their students' needs are, what their learning styles are. Right, exactly. Learning styles, right? Wow. That's yeah. been around for how many years? How many decades? Right? And so I think when um, we are able to equip our educators, right? I think right now our educators are asked you know, constantly for more. And at the end of an eight-hour workday, sometimes there's not more to give. And so maybe if we you know, front-loaded that a little bit more, right? And we prepared them in the beginning and took the time to sit down and maybe hey, let's look at this class list with the previous teacher that had these students and let's talk about them. Which you kind of just assume that they are they are doing that or that they take that piece of paper from you and you, that describes your student yeah. and what they need, yeah. what their learning style was. Parent input letters, right, that they ask us to fill out at the end of each year when, when they're considering class placements for teachers. What I, I encourage all parents to do um, because I think that you know your input is the greatest input that um, can impact your child. And so when if you have a teacher or um, an administrator that sends out that Google form or that, you know, sheet via email, take the time to fill it out and and let them know what you feel like your child needs within a teacher. um, Right. Because those relationships are so important and the placement of your child is going to be key. Exactly. And that was like our first experience when we moved here. My daughters were both placed with teachers and we didn't know the school. We didn't know any of the teachers. We were learning through the community that we were just starting to build. And my daughter at that time got a teacher who a couple months into the school school year did not know who my daughter was and I had to go to the principal and I was like hey we have a big disconnect here yeah she doesn't know that my daughter's never been on a Google Chromebook and she's been here for two months. I'm going to tell you that this is disheartening and I need help. And I was I, and the principal started crying. She was like, I'm here for you. Yeah. You know, let's do this. This is not the right teacher for your daughter. Are you OK switching teachers? And that wasn't even what I was going in there to request. But yeah. she advocated for and with my family because she was like, this is a misfit and this will be a better fit. Do you trust me? And I was like, absolutely. But the fact that it, she shed a tear over it and I it just yeah. we connected so closely. And so I really strongly believe in the administration being very important to knowing yeah what the family's needs are what the teachers you know styles are and stuff like that and good for you for advocating for your daughter I did not know what to do I was distraught and she was losing her mind and I was like what's going then she finally broke down yeah and you're like but if we can make this minor switch it could make a huge difference I think communication is so key you had some experiences that you had to start communicating directly regarding that have led you to your new specialty accessibility specialist and um and parent right and so I think that we uh have to as parents and then even with your background my background we both have a master's in education and so sometimes still I feel like I might not be the biggest expert. I might think that I know and that I see, but I'm not with my child every day. Exactly. And I'm hearing, you know, that my child is excelling or is maybe not excelling. And 
then um, when I'm questioned, I'm told we're doing what we the best we can. I, we're you know implementing the, these strategies. We're providing these resources. We're doing these small group pullouts. But everybody's always trying to say what one's doing or not doing rather than saying where what do we need to do? Right. Like that's what I, my big takeaway yeah, is. Like exactly. we're trying in and out every day to provide the best you know support and practice work and yeah understand what's happening in the classroom in addition to the multiple fundraisers and picture days and yes everything that's going on at school yeah, right and it all so balanced, right what if everybody just focused on what what else is needed rather than what's missing or what's being done wrong i mean right it's such a positive yeah just little so, spin on this prime better outcome absolutely and so i think that's where you know advocating in advance yep is so important so um if you are new to a school um like you guys were when y'all moved to texas or if your kid's transitioning from an elementary school to a middle school or coming out of preschool into elementary school or by, you know, and so on and so on, having those meetings early, letting the team um, that's kind of working with your child know, this is my child's profile. This is my child's learning style. These are my child's current, um, you know, learning needs and these are their strengths. I think so many times we forget to think about the strengths of the child and we focus so much more on the weakness that if we would hone more in on those strengths and use those to bring up and to allow them to excel more, we're going to start to see the things that they're not as good at yep. begin to come into a level playing field for them. And it's like the children can work together. Like we as adults have strengths and weaknesses. Right. And like teaching them the comfort and the the respect and the understanding that they can like work together and lean on each other for certain things rather than being pinned against each other and competing and stuff would be so powerful. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. I bring the kids together so they can talk about it. Yeah. Oh, math's hard for me. You're in honors math. Okay, well, how did you do this work? Great. Do you want to like sit and do homework together one day? Yeah. Exactly, because they le they learn so much from each other, just as we learn from each other. And I think that when kids, like you said, we're worried about that label as parents, right? Our kids worry about those labels yeah. too in the classroom. They don't finish the test as fast as their friend next right. to them. Exactly, that is like the the awareness of what's going on around them. Absolutely. Like they are tuned in, yeah, to everything. Yeah. I mean, most of the time, yeah. But when the kids realize, hey, we all learn differently, right? We all are gonna uh, try a math problem and attack it in a different way. And, you know, we're all going to read at different speeds. Um, the more that we um, embrace that as parents, yeah. embrace that as educators and allow our children to embrace it, we're going to start to see that they begin to embrace one one another and they end up being able to support and hold each other's hand, right? And guide each other when when that guidance is needed rather than continue to compare themselves to one another. So like resources, you know, classroom environment is key, you know. Parental involvement is helpful, but it's, you know, it's a community like the yeah. teachers and the parents and the student always yeah. need to be in tune, I would say, with each other. There's no like excessive communication that needs to take place, right. but in tune with each other is yeah. so helpful. But like, what about the resources at the school and the communication that takes place? Because like you've been advocating for resources for your family and now you're helping other families with that. So what's that communication like and what's that process like? So I think when communicating for resources, sometimes, um, you know, we know that there's resources available, but how are they being allocated? Um, and I think um, a lot of families aren't aware of either one, yeah. the resources that are available or how they're being distributed or um, applied to their child. Yeah. And so I think it's it's really important for parents to go to those staff conferences when they have them in the fall. And because a lot of times they'll, you know, it, they become your work schedule, right? Balancing work and life, you know, how do, how do we do that? And sometimes 
you know, well, I can't make it at that time or I can't. It's important because that's where, you know, it's that homeschool connection. And like we I we talk about it on almost every one of these episodes. But I would say it's like a happy, healthy learning environment. Mm -hmm. And you want to have that connection, understand like what your teacher's relationship with your student and vice versa. But it is your it's your end to have a pulse on what's happening when your child's not with you. You can read the room so easily, whether you're on Zoom or you're in that room. You just know the dynamic of the classroom by your meeting with the peach teachers. It's your get to know you session. Yeah. And it's also a time to get to know the teacher, but also to get to know your child and how they're performing within their school day. And I think a lot of times we are seeing that less and less is coming home as far as like the, the cons of technology right now. I'm going to say it because I always talk about the positives and great. There's, it's so amazing watching my kids move around on Google Chromebook and like the, what they know and what they know how to do on a touch screen and how to save things and stuff. It really, I'm proud of them because I think it's going to be a really good, the really good tools to use later on in life. Yeah. Um, but again, like the lack of we're like we're processing like the teachers aren't even requiring them to fix capitalization and punctuation right oh just let it fix it itself and yeah we still have to go through that revising process and they're not printing it and bringing it home and they're not emailing it to you when they get their grade you're just seeing the grade come through and not the work necessarily all the time and like well you have access to it in here and i'm like well, yeah, you didn't grant us access. So let me have to go request it from you and then get it. And it just changes yeah. the process yeah. a little bit. Absolutely. And so that can be hard to navigate. So those are times where you can, you know, navigate through and ask to see those work samples at those times. Ask to see, you know, benchmark scores that come in that the teachers are also using and schools also use to decide kind of where a student is needing supports, if, if any. And a lot of times those aren't provided. Talking about like the MAPS test. Yes. So like or they also like to call them um, in, like beginning of the year, mid- middle of the year, end of year. And so they'll call them boy, moy and oi a lot of times. Yeah. So all the acronyms. Do you get grades that yeah. um, like higher than grade average, lower than grade average on assignments that are graded? And is it pretty regularly in elementary school or because in middle school, it's I mean, it's so helpful. Yes. So I do have I do have a seventh grader in middle school. There's also a way, depending on the school district that you're in. But I know with the school district that we're navigating that there's a way as parents, you can actually go in and set settings that like if your child is making below like a 60 percent on either an assignment or on a test or for the actual class average, it can actually notify you and send you alerts. That's what I think I'm at. Yeah. And I get both, though. I'm yeah. Like, then that way it allows me to just do some temperature checks as a parent, right? Assignment. I'm like, why are you missing an assignment? You're at school every single day. How are you not turning your assignments yeah. in? She's like, oh, I forgot to hit submit. Or right. I submitted it. She hasn't graded it yet. It's yeah. just an automation in the system. Yeah. And exactly. So there's good. I mean, I guess we're able to get a gauge on it. Yeah. But if you're not, definitely touching in and finding out where they're at. Yeah. And I think and asking how do I set these things up for myself? So maybe it also allows you to kind of build more trust within, like you said, this triangle, right? So as many notifications as you get for school fundraisers and things to go and do to help the school, you should be getting just as many notifications about where your kids are with their grades. Yeah, absolutely. Because guess what? It's not going to hurt. No, it's not. And, you know, I've also had to learn kind of that that balance with my own my oldest son. And it applies to certain ages and above, right? Like, I mean, certain grades hit a marker where like their grades are going to be more important and that's where you're going to be able to tell if they're going to if they're progressing right exactly exactly curriculum in the lower levels doesn't require you getting a grade every single day but right and so you know i think when they're you know in the primary years in elementary school you know we're going to be a little bit more in tune with that as the parent than the child will be but as they, you know, progress into middle school and high school, they have to kind of take some their own, you know, their ownership of that as well, and um, have agency and buy-in in it. And um, you were kind of more of just the checkpoint, right? 
Um, but then when things maybe do become a little bit challenging or they do get behind, let's say they're out sick, right? I mean, um, we're like my oldest missed school because of COVID and um, we, we were out for two and a half weeks um, because of recovery and trying to keep up with assignments and trying to keep up with grades and trying to find the balance and all that and saying it's okay to ask for more time. The tools to communicate with their educators. Yeah. And like we keep talking about this and we'll get into it more with, you know, advocacy, right? Like making sure they have the accommodations that are in their plans and that they're properly being assessed and able to be assessed and implemented. Your child needs to know what they need and be comfortable advocating for yeah. that. Like, no, I'm sorry, I have to sit in the front of the classroom because yeah. of my vision or no, I need a paper copy because of this. Yeah. And absolutely. Um, so, it takes a little while to build up their confidence to be able to communicate with their teachers. But hey, like, let's change that. Like teachers, I'm sorry, but your students should be okay communicating with you. Yeah. And I get you might have hard days and so do they and whatever. But like, that is one thing my takeaway as a parent, I'm not afraid to say it on this right now is teachers, you need to show your students that you're approachable. Yes. Um, it's a very easy thing. You can sign out when you leave campus. But my goodness, I hear it way too often. I'm afraid to ask or I don't want to talk to them or they're too busy or yeah. whatever. Like, God forbid one of my clients felt that way or my you know I just it just yeah get bad days I get that but I'm saying let's try to all be stronger communicators and, yeah. and approachable hard smiling large even if you don't want to <laughs> great. it's not gonna hurt anybody agreed agreed and uh, you know as we all know you know we get into education for for a reason right for, for the kids, you know, we also have to sometimes I have conversations with my own children that we also have to know that educators as well as parents, sometimes we have bad days and there's some days that, you know, maybe we're more cultural than others. So like we're real comfortable talking about all of this because we've gone through our unique um, journeys with our children because each one of our children is very different, just like most people's. And um, we've learned through experience. But give me the roots. Like, what's your mission right now? I know you've got your values, like what you why you're doing this. Yeah. You can kind of tell them a little bit about it because I think we haven't really hit on your background. Yeah, I think um, my mission is really to inspire parents to become advocates for their children. And in that advocacy, you're going to inspire educational progress for the whole child. Um, I think so many times we get hung up on the, the tiny little things, right, that we forget about looking at our child holistically. And when we really hone in on our child and who they are as a person, mm -hmm. as an individual, their strengths, their weaknesses. Also, school's not everything. They have to go to school. It is their job. Yeah. Like this is your job as a child to go to school. And if yeah. you don't go to school, we get in trouble. Yeah. But in a lot of ways, school is meant for them to build community. Right. And school right. needs to be a happy, healthy learning environment. Right. And like that community vibe, I'm going to call like, you know, needs to be there. And it's up to the students to bring that mindset into it. So I think as parents, yeah. us communicating more and helping each other as a unit, you know what I mean, is important. And I just don't feel like parents, we have the ability to be as involved. And I don't know what that is. If it's just we need to try harder or if it's just the doors aren't open enough. Yeah. Or, or and, and learning how to open those doors. Right. And I think when um, we were thinking about IEP advocacy, of course, IEP stands for Individualized Educational Plan. Right. Which um, is when students are um, identified with specific learning needs. Meaning their scores are lower on their benchmark testing or their work that's being produced in the classroom isn't meeting the average right. grades or whatever, right. or they specifically see something that do they feel your student needs, you know, extra work on. Work on, exactly. But I think when we talk about plan, like there can be a plan, but is there progress? And so for us, IEP more stands for Individualized Educational Progress. 
And so we aren't looking that we might have a plan, but is the plan allowing the child to progress? Is the plan allowing your child to succeed? And so I think, you know, that's kind of um, when, you know, going back to the mission, that's really what we want to see is a lot providing parents the tools like we keep talking about toolbox. If you go to my website, you'll see there's one blog page that all it does is talk about. Here's your toolbox for your child. We'll put the link specifically for the toolbox in the description yeah. for this episode so you can get it. Awesome. Yeah. So um, and using that as to become an advocate for your kid and for your child, for your student, and then allowing that advocacy work and allowing your knowledge and the tools that you have in your toolbox to develop a plan that allows them to progress. And you develop the plan because like, I let's talk about people who maybe have never had this experience. Yeah. When do you learn about an IEP, as the school calls it? Yeah. Like they say, hey, we think your ch child needs some resources. Are you OK if we do some extra assessments and meet with your child? Right. That's kind of where it starts. Yeah, absolutely. Then they send you a boatload of documentation and then a bunch of stuff to fill out. Bunch of documentation covering what this is and what it could lead to if you discover, you know, certain educational needs of your child or they're special, they have you know, special needs or whatever, like yeah. whatever they're going to discover. They cover all that on the front end. Then they send you a bunch of stuff to fill out. Gone through this a couple times. So a lot of questions, a lot of quizzes yeah. and stuff like that. And they are going to take that before they ever talk to you and say that is their understanding of who your child is to you. Just that paperwork. They never have a conversation with you or anything. Just this paperwork because tried and true that, that those check mark boxes that you yep. fill out will let them know as a parent who your child is to you, what your relationship is and whatever. Right. Whatever. I could go on and on. Very impersonal. Then from there, they assess your student and what's the time limit they have to assess your student? So depending on whether if it's an initial evaluation, I think it's about 160 days. 160 days. Yeah. So here we have Right. I mean, I mean, that's multiple months based on the availability of the resources because right. there's not enough. Yeah, it could take half the school year. Exactly. And so then they do these on campus during school hours. They observe your your child. Um, they have them do whatever assessments they feel would help mm -hmm. further explain what they saw while they were observing and what the teachers were saying. Then they take a report from the teachers. They take your um, like almost like Scantron report you fill out yep. plus a few paragraphs yep. for your student plus those scores and sit down with you. Yeah, you go over it in what they call a FIE, which is a full individual evaluation. They go through a background. I mean, it starts from birth, right? Oh yeah, like down to like how much your the baby weight, um, what yeah. term you carry to. Yeah, it goes all the way back to like that early on. And then they do um, some informal assessments, right? They're gonna use- Vision hearing. Vision, they always do vision hearing. And then um, they're also gonna do, you know, just some quick inventories with parents, families, and things like health history, all that good stuff. And also with teachers, um, kind of some anecdotal data that they'll collect from them. And then they'll also do um, standardized measurements, um, which might be something like the KTEA or the Woodcock-Johnson, which is actually going to look at academic and cognitive um, testing and ability. So then those numbers come back, right? <laughs> and there's these lovely charts that, okay, here's a range. Is your child in average, below average, high average. And so having to understand all of those because each assessment has a different range and um, a different area and where your kid might fall. So very collaborative approach of gathering data to say what your student is strong, strong in or excelling in or needing more help. Exactly. And so those areas or the qualifying um, numbers can range depending on the assessment. And a lot of times when you sit down for those meetings and you sit down with maybe the school diagnostician or the LSSP, it's real quick. 
right? Okay, the, this is, these are the assessments that we did. Here's the numbers that we found. And oh, here's that one area that we really see that there's a discrepancy. Validates the reason why we're doing this because yes. it's just skewed a little bit. And that's, you know, reason for us to think they might need, your child might need resources, which yay. Yeah. Like resources could actually be a really positive thing. Yeah. So I want to get that out there. Absolutely. And sometimes I I would, I inc- highly encourage families and parents that, you know, they're giving you resources and you think that they're totally appropriate, take them. Um, because there's a lot of times where it is needed and a lot of times they're not offered. And so Do better reading with a small group of two to four students or reading by themselves or reading with a huge classroom of 25 to 32 yeah. students. Exactly. Like, so it's a no brainer that it's going to help them. Absolutely. But, but again, it's hard to go through that process and the duration of it and just the. Yeah. And even understanding the lingo or the language or the acronyms that are presented to you as a parent as you're going through this process. Because a lot of times I always have families come to me and say, oh, there's all these acronyms. There's, you know, an ARD, there's an IEP, there's a, you know, MAP testing, there's a this, there's a that. And so they're like, how do I get familiar with all of these acronyms? Well, there's a list <laughs> and you can find those on the website as well. But because um, they the school, unfortunately, because it is kind of this process where they they're so familiar with it, they expect the parent to be familiar with it. And we're not. I've had different experiences. Like my first experience back in California with doing this, it was very informative. We were very like they're very concerned. Yeah. And I was my, my oldest kid. I didn't know what to do. Her results yielded that she was not in need of any services. No. And then my second experience was back here with the same daughter. And it was super in, impersonal mm-hmm. and they didn't really explain a lot. And now I'm going through the third time because yes. it was recommended, which is fine. It probably should be recommended if my child went to three different different elementary schools and she's in third grade like let's talk about it you know maybe that has some impact yeah and and it can right right yeah Yeah. totally yeah so I'm going through it again and I'm having somewhat of a positive experience so far I'm feeling very informed and very like my child was properly nurtured and you know and that's what we want yeah that's the goal that's the goal of advocating for your child is that this is supposed to be a collaborative experience right Right. and uh, and what one that's in the best interest of the child and I think that sometimes we're just like you said in the hustle and bustle of the day or the work week or you know you know we're trying to get the meeting in before the end of the school year or we're trying to get it in within the timeline and so sometimes we're pushing up on that timeline and so when you sit down for the meeting it doesn't feel like it's as collaborative or as meaningful or you're getting what you need from from that information. So slow them down. It, it's OK for you to stop and ask them questions. I think that sometimes, you know, we're also trying to be um, cognizant and um, aware of people's time. But at the same time, we're talking about your child here. What's more important? And so taking the time to slow down and say, hey, you know what? I don't understand what you that go means. to these meetings with families. I will. Yes, absolutely. I will walk them through the process of, of the meeting, of reviewing the evaluation. But I, I really, really like to start before that. I actually like to start with families when they're starting to go through that process, when the school finally says, "I we're, we're, we want to test, right? Or sometimes the, they haven't tested. Parents are like, I, my child's been stuck in this tiered instructional RTI program since kindergarten and they're in fifth grade. And they keep telling us, well, you know, we're slowly making progress. They're staying in this. There's this big number. It's called, it's the 20th percentile. You'll hear it all the time. Oh, but they're they're above the 20th percentile. They're above the 20th percentile, but they might be at the 21st percentile and they've been sitting there for four years. That's concerning. Um, your your child, they, as where they say, oh, well, they're not in that tier three yet, but they've been hovering above it for so long. We've, we've got to do something differently. Yeah. Right. And so I always tell parents, 
you know, your child's been, you know, teetering between that 20th and 30th percentile for multiple years or for more than a year, actually, it's time. It's time to do something different. And so um, it's time to either look into different instructional modalities or it's time to maybe do some further testing to figure out um, is there something else that we need to be doing to meet my child's um, learning needs. And so I like to actually come in before they even start the testing. She's done all this advocacy for her kids and their education. And now she's going in and helping families like navigate the process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's a tricky process and there's so many parts to it that it's like okay when does it almost seems never and I, go, I mean i'm fine now because i've done it numerous times so like going to those meetings by yourself is very intimidating because it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that like your husband or partner or anything like that is is understanding or involved in the education process or maybe you're a single parent and um like you don't have to go it alone no absolutely absolutely not and even if it's not an advocate if it's somebody that you know that has a background in education you can bring anybody that you want to those meetings as a representative with you your mom a grandparent whoever it is and um if it's you know a cousin that's you know a teacher in another school district that at least has some background and understanding in in the system that can guide you through it bring them um but like i said i like to try to get in before the testing's done so that way we can actually look at the current needs of your child and make sure that they're deriving the right assessments that are going to assess because they do they select which assessments they're going to use right in advance and so um for both my boys who are identified as dyslexic but also um have um been identified under the special ed umbrella um as um, children with um, specific learning disabilities in the area of, of reading and written expression there were times that we weren't able to with the batteries that were selected we weren't able to get the information that we needed and so we had to go back at it again. And we had to say, well, okay, there's, you know, remember all that data that comes from all these um, measurements. Yeah, that there's some discrepancies within the data. Like one test is showing one thing, but another test is showing something completely different. And so sometimes you have, if you closely look at that data, you can say, okay, we need to dig further. Because... Or you have somebody help you interpret the data. Right, exactly. Because sometimes it's a lot. I just want to be super like, cogn- like sincere and say that it's like overwhelming when your student or your child is struggling and people are telling you there's something bothering your student or limiting your student while they're learning. It's like it's super you feel so helpless because you're not in that classroom and um, just don't give up, I guess you could say. And like, don't be discouraged either, because there's a lot of other families that are probably experiencing something similar because our our little guys right now have gone through a lot and their education has like a big roller coaster through it that, you know, like probably didn't happened for all of us when we were growing up necessarily and so we're navigating new waters hopefully calm waters right absolutely and and that's the goal the advocacy piece of all of this is that you are equipped with the toolbox and with the language that you need as a parent to be able to navigate through these meetings and through this process to where it's meaningful for you you know it's going to be meaningful for your child and that that you know the educators are all on board meaningful meaning like and and it needs to be in depth like if you need a translator like i'm just going to keep going like all these things that people like i i know it's super scary when your child needs something or or super scary to have somebody say your child needs something and you work with them and you don't think they do or either way yeah coming together as a whole and understanding everybody's different perspective is key and and having an interpreter if you need it or another person there for support or a third opinion or just backup is awesome yeah like don't go it alone. Pull your community together, whoever you need, whatever resources you need to approach that meeting like successfully and yeah. in a strong 
Yeah, absolutely. Because like you said, you know, when you go into these meetings and let's say it's the initial meeting and they have the full art committee, sometimes depending on the needs of the They're individual. Yep. 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 Okay. We've got this much time, right? You have. Yeah. And so um, there's you come into a room, there could be five people, there could be 23 people like it, it can be extremely overwhelming. And you feel like this one single individual that's in the room that isn't the expert and that everybody else is. But I, I always try to you know remind um, parents that, you know what? The biggest expert and the most important expert at that table is you. You know your child the best yep. and you give everybody the ability to give you information about your child. Yeah. But, you know, like you really don't know what your child does during these assessments and during the school year with um, with the resource teachers and things like that until you get into those meetings. Yeah. So I look at it as like a really big open book into what my daughter's yeah. been doing because I have both daughters. Um, with them and when they were sitting with them. And then I'm like, then I had to go away from that meeting. I'm like, hey, you sat with her and she talked to you about this and you both live in and out. And yeah. and then it comes out. But like they don't, your student doesn't necessarily come home and tell you when the school is working with them or doing right. things or they're building these relationships with them either, which is funny. So I try to probe that communication more now because I'm like, yeah. so what happened today? Did you yeah. talk to anybody? You know, like we have those like daily conversations. Yeah. And then wait till they get older and like that. Yeah, they're like, do we really have to talk about my day again? Yes, we are going to talk about your day today, honey. Can we talk about something about older kids? Because um, yeah. we kind of have to stay really surface. Everybody has their own experiences Absolutely. with IEPs and 504s. Yeah. So the purpose of today was to introduce you to Christina, let you know that there's somebody that can help you and there's her toolbox and that you're not the only person whose child may have specific needs with their education. Doesn't mean they're, you know, doesn't mean it's a handicap. No. Like the most brilliant people have special needs and like needs specific resources and our children need to know how to communicate. And so start communicating with your family and your kids and the community about what school's like and what they're learning and what they like or how they like to learn and, and let it grow from there, but collaborate a little bit more about it. Um, so moving on to the older kids in middle school and some things that got changed um, in the last couple years here in Texas, Yeah. Um, the bill. HB 45. 4545. Yes. So um I this I'm gonna get mean now. We we say it's a new a new initiative that's been proposed by the state. Actually accelerated instruction has been around for a long time. And they put it under a new bill after COVID, um, because we started to see that it drastically impacted children's education, right? And so the state's like, well, how can we ensure that if kids are not passing our lovely standardized assessment in the state of Texas, not all of them were taking standardized tests and the population and demographic has changed. Right. Right. A lot. So this state mandated assessment that Texas used, which is called STAR, um, is the basis for determining whether your child needs accelerated instruction. Not every other component of, of their learning, or, like their actual grades with right. the teacher, yeah. just the standardized yeah. test yeah. determine if they need accelerated instruction. Yes. So depending on um, where they, if they do not meet passing criteria for STAR and the, which there's all kinds of different things about STAR. There's like approaches grade level, meets grade, grade level, masters Is a good level. test taker, is not a good test taker. None of that falls into place. It's just whatever the score falls in for the STAR test. Right. So if you do not pass based on the state standards, right? So if you're below approaches grade level, you are going to be considered as that you didn't pass STAR. For And then the school is going to be required to enact what they call accelerated instruction under House Bill 4545. 
and this <laughs> this lovely bill. There's great resources um, online, like TEA is a wealth of knowledge for anyone to go in and access, but it's so overwhelming that if you don't know where to go, um, it can be a lot. So maybe this will be my next blog is on House Bill 4545 and Accelerated Instruction on my website. I think it would be really helpful yeah. because it sounds amazing if we say Accelerated Instruction and we say, oh, this bill because they got low scores and whatever. But what it really means is they're going to steal your child, put them into a class when they probably should be doing homework because they usually do it during their like their block of time. Yeah. Um, during school where they're able to be with teachers right. or in their homeroom classroom working on their homework or their actual work that pertains to their curriculum this year. And they put them on a computer, which is awesome because that's really going to help them take the star test. Um, and it's really frustrating. Yeah. And and, or they want to make them go to summer school so they can capture these hours, which they're still not able to capture all the hours and they still aren't teaching them anything that's going to pertain to their curriculum to help them get better scores next year. I am furious that it's a requirement and I've yeah. seen the detriment that it's caused to not just my daughter, but to other children too. Why pull them out of the classroom in the period that they have in their day on campus to do their work and get help from their teachers with Absolutely. their actual academic work and put them on a computer and put them to the side and say that that is helping them? Right. Not yeah. one teacher or one bit of data came up with this process. Yeah. I will just say yeah. that right now. It's a fact. Yes. It's not It's not the actual teacher of the school that came up with this process. So. Might as well give them a time clock. Yeah. You're not learning is what that is. Um, but there's also every school should be having a meeting with you if your child qualifies for accelerating yeah. instruction. Yeah. And they give you a little piece of paper. Right. And they say, this is how we're going to implement this. And we would like for you to sign this. And, and we're not going to be able to meet all the hours. We're not going to be able to do this many hours in a week. But if you'll sign off that we can't meet our requirements, we'll we'll be okay it's a tricky conversation to navigate and not only am i hearing about it from parents i'm hearing about it from the educators in the classroom as well um i have many friends who are are, are educators that are teaching and um that they have to go into these meetings and they're like i we don't fully understand the language of the requirements of this and we agree a lot of them agree with parents like why are we using this to work with her math teacher when she's in her math teacher's right. class to do her math homework yeah and her math teacher feels very threatened by the school that she's not doing this accelerated instruction with putting her on a computer to do this because she's not getting enough hours rather than being worried that my daughter wants to do homework with her teacher right. in her homework period right. and i gave it a really good opportunity this year and it's not benefiting your child my child no and a lot of it too is that the schools are also given the free will to kind of pick within a variety of programs in order to meet the requirements of this bill and so um one might be that they're going to throw them on the computer on this specific like approved program right to help accelerate the instruction within math um, I don't know about you, not but even, it's not yeah. even applicable to the curriculum that they're and learning. You're probably right. And so this is the thing. And the other thing is putting my kid in a room on a computer. I would rather you put them in a room with a teacher, right, that can implement that instruction, that can accelerate that instruction. That's a true human being. We can modify that bill for the school because they won't be able to do what the requirements are for the school. But if I ask to modify it because my daughter tutors three to four afternoons right. a week and that we can maybe build those computer hour program computer program hours into like winter break or yeah. Easter break so it's not taking away from your academic time in school absolute no no if you want to make that work so your student can use the time more wisely for their curriculum so I am going to be absolutely advocating for this moving forward but I still haven't got my daughter's test scores back so I guarantee you she's doing amazing and 
we're improving because we've got a lot of effort going into it. Um, we're seeing it in our grades, but HB4545, let's talk. I want to get a chat going on this. I hope everybody kind of shares their individual experience with it yes. because it's newish on what They're, means they're going about to get their hours and that when they don't meet their hours what happens Who, who's held accountable right it happens when the test scores don't change right and that's going to be another big conversation coming in the fall i think with a lot of families and um i'm kind of in the process right now of um working with um another uh, colleague of mine who um understands special ed law um, even more so than I do about doing maybe kind of a public forum um, with like maybe at a local library for families to actually talk about this specific bill because it's impacting a lot of children and it's impacting a lot of families. Well, you spend so much time and I'm going to speak. I spend so much time making sure my daughter was tutored and saw her grades improve mm -hmm. because what benchmarked her into that, what happened to her learning experience you know what I mean? And her test scores, like we of course wanted resources for her and we of course wanted those things. But like this just took away from the time that she had Absolutely. to build on what we were doing at home, which is like tutoring. We're sitting down with her one-on-one. -on -one. She's doing small group study things with her friends, things that we weren't doing before that we're seeing benefit her. And then academic time at school is being taken to do this. So I am just very aware and very involved. And I think I'd, I'd be interested to hear other parents that maybe felt differently yeah. or having different experience or even the educators. I would love for teachers to talk about their takeaway because when yeah. I pushed back this year and said, well, I'm sorry, we're upping our tutoring to three days a week. Like the mm -hmm. curriculum's going quite fast right now. Yeah, we got to cover it this year. I'm like, that's totally fine. Yeah, She's got the support from home. She's getting the work done. Like we're good there. Can we use her accelerated instruct instruction period to have her do some of this work with you before the test? Like literally just ask for like a week of, hey, can she sit with you? Because this is a lot of content to cover in a little bit of time. Yeah. And she's like, well, I can't take away from the AI on the computer and this and that. And I'm like, I'm asking for a teacher to a parent here right now and that they feel so threatened so it'd be interesting to hear the teachers takeaways the ones that maybe were compelled to still be one-on-one -on -one with their students and the ones that felt that they still needed to finish these hours what are the re what's the repercussions so i think a big piece of the reason why the teachers i think the teachers truly would rather be working with the child to be honest with you i think that they would rather be the one implementing the instruction there's gonna be one big component of this that the school needs to track and the state needs to track and that's the data and so that's why they're being pushed to do it on the computer so they can track Trackable. It, it, yep, it's completely trackable. Yeah. But at the same time, is it meaningful? Interesting. Well, from elementary school and knowing child's classroom and communicating with the parents in the education community and the teachers to knowing what bills our state is passing to try and help our students, but might not be helping our students. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah, it is. The only one takeaway is because we could talk about so many more things and we, we're very surface today based on other conversations <laughs> we've had. And, and we're not putting anybody down in the education system. We're just yeah. saying that our world has changed. Yeah. And our children are way more mature than they used to be. Mm -hmm. And I think their ability to learn is always going to be there if they're in a happy, healthy learning environment. Absolutely. And we all need to work together. Yeah. And come together as a community. Yeah. Please put the forum together. Yeah. Please. We will share her resources with you all. Um, don't be intimidated by the school helping guide you through anything your child might need or whatnot. But I can't wait to see the conversations that come out of this because yeah. I think it takes a lot for a parent to go from your individual experiences and what you pour into your family to take that and take time from your family to go and help other families is so selfless and beautiful thank you and so i wish 
I wish I had you in my corner when I was going through it. And I feel I felt good going through it, being educated in the, the field and stuff. But it still was very foreign. Yeah. And I think that if you're feeling that way, um, you know, you embrace that, own that and find the people within your community that can lift you up and that can help guide you through. Yeah. And I do. I have another friend whose kids are dyslexic and she's going through. She's like, oh, my God, all these resources. It's so great. This person. Finally, this year, she said to me, she's like, it's a little different at school this year. Yeah. So are you sure everything's happening? Like, is it? She's like, yeah. it's just different, Nicole. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, it does. It's not the same as it used to be. And we got to pour energy into the schools. So parents who have the ability to to be there and to participate mm-hmm. or help the teachers a little bit more or whatnot, we just need to be more present and active, I think, on school campuses. Yeah. And I'm ready, willing, and able to do that. Like, outside of just going and having lunch with my child or participating in every damn fundraiser. And presence is important as well. Like, when they know that you're fully present and that not only are you... Present, not to butt in teachers, okay? Not to butt in and be in your face, yeah. but to be a support yeah. in the back. To make sure you guys can enjoy your career a little bit more. And I mean, as two educators ourselves, I think the most important thing that, you know, in our child's educational career are the people that touch them daily and are those educators. It's just making sure that that educational plan is making progress within that educational environment and that those teachers and those educators are equipped with the tools that they need and we as parents are equipped with the tools that we need and our child is equipped with the tools that they need in order to be. Because hey, we may not be the best people to teach our kids how to read. I am okay saying that. Yeah. I have taught my children a lot of things about life and cooking and gardening and and being good humans and being respectful and courteous and having good morals and values. There's other people that are better equipped to teach my children certain things and I am okay with that. Yeah. You know? like Absolutely. I'm very happy to have met you. Me too. And I know that we'll be in touch again. Absolutely. And there we're going to see progress in our education system, just like we're seeing progress in our children's lives and learning experiences. Thank you for joining me. We'll share the resources with everybody here. And I'll probably be, if you put the forum together, I'll be sharing it on our Work Hard, Smile, Our stuff. So thank you so much for coming on and stay tuned for more episodes. This highlight for education um, has been really amazing for me to focus on for a few of these episodes for Work Hard, Smile, Large. If you have any other topics or anything you'd like to see me touch on and pull people from our Work Hard, Smile, Large community, and to speak on, please let me know. You can email us or message us on social media at Work Hard, Smile Large. Work hard, smile large. Welcome to the Work Hard, Smile Large podcast, where we explore the outcome of hard work and the power of positivity in our daily lives. In each episode, we'll delve into the benefits of maintaining a positive mindset, hear inspiring stories, and provide tips for cultivating smiles around us. We will highlight healthy habits and living a full life while giving focus to various lifestyles that shine bright in this world as we collaborate with each unique guest to help spread the work hard, smile large vibe. Now is the time to come together, pour into others, and have the youth we mentor and influence daily inspire their peers to become WHSL Youth Ambassadors too. This podcast is here to support you on your journey and bring others together to build their dreams, achieve goals, and determine what we all want our legacies to be. So sit back, relax, and get ready to embrace the work hard, smile large vibe.